Welcome to Writers with Wrinkles, where authors Beth McMullen and Lisa Schmidt iron out the wrinkles in writing, publishing, and everything in between, one podcast at a time. This week on Writers with Wrinkles, Books on Botox, we look at the critical ingredient to making a series succeed and how humor in the first person can keep a reader turning pages. Stay right where you are for the details coming up next. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 39. This is a Books on Botox episode where we talk about books we love that are good examples of some kind of writing. Now, good books often have antagonists, right, Lisa? Right. <laughs> okay, this is such a funny story. She has to tell the story. The, this is called the case of them missing antagonists. It is sad. I no, it's funny. It is so funny. Well, you'd think I'd never written a book before. And it feels like that when you go back to start a new one. It always feels like that. Well, I was writing, you know, I'm writing this book and I'm about 10,000 words in. And um, I've hit that point where I know how to set. I always, this is how I write every single book. I know the first act, I know the last act, but it's the second act, which is the biggest and most important. I never, like, I have no idea what's going to happen or how I'm going to get through that. Well, and often the messy middle is recognized as the hardest part. But right. I, don't, I don't think you'd find any author anywhere on the planet who would say, oh, I love writing the middle. It's so fun and satisfying. <laughs> no yeah. one's going to say that. I call it the mushy middle, but this is the part that I'm most, I don't even know if amused is the right word, more horrified. <laughs> All of a sudden I was sitting there and I'm like, huh, I don't have an antagonist. Like, <laughs> like nothing. Like I've written the first 10,000 words without even a, like a thought in my mind about who, you know, their, their nemesis is. Who's the bad guy? Who's the bad guy? It's never occurred to me. And all of a sudden I was literally sitting there and I was thinking, I have nothing. I have no idea. And that's when in my panic state, I contacted you and Jenny Lundquist. I talked to Jenny last night. I had sent her same time as you sent the pages and she's like, I'll call you right now and discuss. And I'm like, okay. And so <laughs> I, I finally wrote in, I figured out a place to like, I figured out who it is. I don't, I have no idea what I'm going to do with them yet, but I figured out. Cause then you were like, you have to have them in there before now, you know, blah, blah, blah. I hate it when people tell me what I have to do. I know, but I was right. You were totally right. I was but right. I just wrote them in and it's just, it's funny. It's funny that it just suddenly dawned on me that I had. Okay. But I think even just like having him in the back of your head is fine. Even if you have gotten way deep into the story and he hasn't really showed up yet, you can always go back and, and fill him in. It just, but it's so funny because I've been thinking about this character and what he has to do um, and who he's, you know, going to meet at how they solve this mystery together. Um, but it just never even dawned on me to bring in a bad guy. 
And then because you like him too much, you don't want him to have to contend with a bad guy. Well, you love him. He's a he's a he's a little boy who's struggling. And you don't want to be like, and now here's a gnarly bad guy that you have to fight against because that feels mean. But you know what's it's funny because I once I came up with the character and his description and how I wanted to present him, I'm so amused by it that now I love the bad guy. And I am totally embracing him as a character, and I can hardly wait to run with it. My favorite thing about writing kids' books were being able to create these sort of ridiculous bad guys. They didn't have to be terrifying and menacing. They could be ridiculous. And they were so, so fun to write. I loved that part. I loved my bad guys so much more than my main characters in most of the cases because they were funny you know they just were ridiculous and funny and I think that is a great thing that you can do in kids books that's super satisfying and very entertaining yeah well I think what I'm fashioning him after is very amusing and so I I think kids hopefully will find it entertaining and that's all I care about so we'll and if you're amused He'll be like excited to write him. So he won't get lost in the weeds again. I was chuckling as I was writing his (laughs) little description. And and I thought, oh, I'm so clever. I had that moment. And those little moments make up for the other times when I'm like, I am the worst writer and giving up. (laughs) But it's like a balance. You need one of those, oh, I'm so clever equals like 15 of, oh my God, I suck. So, you know, it's like, it's not one for one. Uh, Otherwise we'd be, I think, really much more stable as a population than we are. Well, and Jenny gave me really good advice last night and maybe somebody else can take this advice and use it. Because like you said, that mushy middle, that horrible second act that we, we have no idea what we're doing. And she just said, get some note cards and write down different steps or scenarios or challenges that you need him to overcome and then work the story around that. And that is what I'm doing today. I'm just getting my little, oh my God, stop flashing note cards at me. I like, just flashed so... my note cards. So rude. The author's just going around flashing note cards that was at people. so rude. I know, but if wait, I... here, wait, I'm reaching over and I'm bringing over my giant stack of them. There they oh are, my baby. God. I know. I, you know, you a... know what? You're one step away from a wife board with post-it notes. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. (laughs) This is a reminder for everybody to listen to our upcoming Lindsay Curry episode because we talk about the whiteboards with the post-it notes and how those make us feel. So please tune in for that next week. (laughs) That was a good conversation. (laughs) I I will never whiteboard because I don't have room in my house for a big old whiteboard. Just not going to fit. Yeah. But I am going to do that. I'm going to take the post-it notes. She really helped me talk it through last night. You know, how I'm going to approach it and and taking those post-it notes or not the post-it notes, the index cards and just writing down ideas and scenes. Um, I've never done that before. And I think that's going to be a really good exercise for me. It helps you feel less panicky because, oh, I have the scenes on cards. I'm good. I got like 10 cards, so I don't have to worry. I got stuff to write. The other advice she gave me that I thought was brilliant is the story is taking place in a very, very small town. And I wanted to have different scenes or settings that kind of utilize that backdrop that they need to go navigate through. And she's like, go watch a Hallmark mystery. (laughs) They are all set in small towns. 
And I was just like, you know what? That's a great idea. I could They're set them. on one street in a yeah. small town. And that's Honestly, what it it's always like one street with a bookstore and a coffee shop and like a hardware store run by a crusty old dude. Those are like the Hallmark Hallmarks right there. And that's my setting. That is my setting to a T. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to go watch a Hallmark mystery today. That's Those were my two assignments. <laughs> anyway, are you ready? I'm ready. You go first. Okay, I will go first. Just a quick reminder. I always say this. Our selections are on our bookshop.org site. And that link is in the podcast notes and also on our link tree. So please go and take a look. Oh, and I did want to mention, you can also find our link tree on Twitter or X or whatever it's called today, because I can't possibly keep up with the change. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. We just have to talk about this for two seconds. Because okay. every, Sidebar. every time... Every time I see that X, I think of the Grim Reaper. You know what I mean? It just has such a foreboding air about it. It does not bring up happy, warm, fuzzy feelings no. like the cute little bird. I don't like the X. I mm. feel like I'm drifting slowly away to other things because well, I just can't. It's too much. Well, we're on, I'm on Spoutable, which is cute because it has like the little blue whale. <laughs> the which whale. I, think is I love the adorable. whale. Yeah. And then um, we're also on Threads. You know, that's, that is, it feels very much like Twitter. And it's funny because Spoutable, I can't use their app. Their app doesn't work for me. It doesn't allow me to do anything. Like I huh. can't even log in. So I can go online and do it. But with Threads, you can only do it on your app and you can't do it online. And so I just, I want somebody to kind of come up with the perfect merit of like where I can just go to either place. But also we're on Instagram and that feels very stable. It's at Writers with Wrinkles. Come and visit us on Instagram. How about we just leave it at that? We're on Instagram. Come and see us. Okay. We are now moving on to books on Botox. Now I picked a book that is the third in a series. And I did that on purpose. This is called The Bullet That Missed. It's number three in the Thursday Murder Club series by Richard Osmond. It came out September, 2022. It is published by Viking. Now, I realized that my last book was about older spies. And this book is about older amateur detectives and an old spy. I'm developing some kind of theme, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. The reason I picked this book is because it's the third entry in a series. And I want to talk to talk to you about why that's important to pay attention to. First, I want to give you a summary so you know what I'm talking about. Okay, I lifted this summary from Amazon, so bear with me. It is an ordinary Thursday and things should finally be returning to normal, except trouble is never far away where the Thursday murder club are concerned. A decade-old cold case, their favorite kind, leads them to a local news legend and a murder with no body and no answers. Then a new foe pays Elizabeth a visit. Permission, kill, or be killed. Suddenly, the cold case has become red hot. While Elizabeth wrestles with her conscience and a gun, Joyce, Braun, and Ibrahim chase down the clues with help from old friends and new. But can the gang solve the mystery and save Elizabeth before the murderer strikes again? A note, this takes place in a senior living facility on the out, like kind of on the outside of London. So it's a British setting. So what I love about this book is it's funny and smartly ridiculous, if that can be a thing, with lovable characters right out of a cozy. 
But the reason I picked it, as I said, is because it's the third in a series. And I find that usually by book three, authors are phoning it in. Like the magic is gone. The book is dry. It's a rehash. But this book works really hard to stay true to its DNA. The the reason that the series became popular to begin with. It expands the characters just a little bit to add new life to the story. But not so much that the story doesn't have time for the original characters that made you love it in the first place. I feel like that's really important. Sometimes with as series progress, you add all these new characters and you don't get to the characters that the people loved and showed up for in the beginning and are showing up for at book five or six. They're just not there anymore. It doesn't jump the shark. Super important for series. A lot of times by this point, the author is just desperate to, to finish and come up with something and up their game and raise the stakes and do all of those things. And the whole situation can get wildly out of hand. That is not happening here. Osmond really keeps control of his story. Um, he doesn't let it get outlandish. He comes right up to the brink a couple of times, but he does not go over the line. So you're not rolling your eyes at it, which happens to me so much on book like four, five, six, et cetera. It happens to me with television too. By the fourth season, usually the show has gone like completely south. Okay, a note. Book four in this series comes out in September. So I'm going to read that and then I'm going to check back with you to see if maybe it goes off the rails at that point. But I don't think so. I think Osmond has his arms around this setting, these characters, what he needs to add to keep it interesting, how he ups the stakes without going overboard. Anyway, this is a really good example of how to keep a series fresh without losing what made it attractive in the first place. And if you are writing a series or entertaining writing a series, I definitely recommend reading one, two, and three in order, and you will see what I mean. Comps, I looked at Charming British Mysteries because that's what this is. I've already added these to my own TBR. There's The Marlowe Murder Club by Robert Thorogood and A Murder of Crows by Sarah Yarwood Lovett. So that is my book. Anything British, I'm down for. <laughs> I know. I think if you'd like this one, I really want you to read this series because you will love it. It is so funny. And you know how we were talking just before about having a slightly ridiculous antagonist? He does that so well. But for adults, it's different, but it really works. I love it when I'm reading a book like that and you can almost see the the, the bad guy twirling their mustache. <laughs> totally. This is a total mustache twirler and it's funny. Like the characters are so funny that you're just like, okay, I'm showing up for whatever ridiculous things they're up to because you, you really love them. It's so funny you should say that because in the book I'm writing right now, I just decided now that I've welcomed the antagonist, <laughs> his father, as his father was exiting this big ginormous truck. Um, I was in my mind, I was like, I'm going to make this guy so over the top ridiculous, you know, small town um, kind of guy that thinks he's the big fish in the little pond. Right, right. And in my head, I was like, I think I might give him a little mustache to twirl. I think you totally can. Like in kids books, you can get away with a little bit more ridiculousness. I think in adult books, you have to be a little bit more careful. But this writer of this series does it so well that like you're laughing, but you're never thinking, okay, this is absurd. You've lost me. Like he just, he's really good at balancing too much, not enough. So I, I definitely recommend, and this is a really easy series to read, like beach read, vacation read, whatever, Get it on your 
your e-reader from the library or whatever. It's really easy to read. And so, but also I think very instructive. That sounds good. I think I'm going to give my guy a handlebar mustache just because. I'm, I'm, I think you have to now because you said it out loud. Well, and then it, because it's amusing. Well, and I was telling Jenny last night, you know. And then you that? have to get it stuck in something at some scene. <laughs> it has to get stuck in like a power tool or something. Well, I was telling, I okay, and this is like a total confession. And I, I feel like people are going to be gasping when they hear this. The, the cat saves a novel. What is it called again? Save the Cat Writes a Novel. Okay, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. And I remember talking to you about this. And I was like, what's the meaning behind that anyway? And you're like, oh, because the good person always like saves a cat, you know, air quotes that, you know, they have to, you have to show them doing something kind at the beginning of the book to show who they are. And so I thought, well, now I have to have a cat in the beginning of my book. (laughs) Like you can literally... Save the cat. That's what I had him do just to amuse myself. I'm like, I'm going to have my character save a cat now. (laughs) It works. Like, it's magic. And it gets your point across. Yeah. And I like it. I think handlebar mushroom, mushroom, handlebar mustache, and saving the cat. You're like, that's gold. You're good. You're done. That's all Your work is done with your antagonist. Oh, Well, that one sounds good. And I will definitely read it because, you know, I love anything British and I love um, I'm obsessed with the BBC murder mysteries. Um, Yeah, I could live on those forever. (laughs) I rewatch them. They're like my happy. You need to you need to read this series. It's so fun and easy. Please go read it. You will love it. I promise. I got to assume the writer, the writer, the writer is British. Yeah, and I think he's some sort of television writer or television producer. He does really? something, or maybe he has like a talk show or something. I don't know. He has some other gig that he does. But these books are funny. All right, I will check. I will check it out. Anything funny like that, I love. Um, all right, lay your book right. on us now. Well, speaking of funny, if anybody follows me on Twitter, I was I was recently tweeting about this and taking excerpts from the book and posting them because there's Wait, so do funny. we call it tweeting now or do we call it Xing? Oh my god, we Xing out. We were Xing out, <laughs> kind of like what everyone everyone's Xing out anyway. It's just it's a, such a buzzkill. This whatever. Okay, so the book I am going to be talking about is called The Polter Ghost Problem. It's by Betsy Urig. Oh my gosh. I'm so in love with this story. I can't even stand it. And I'd seen the book out there, but then I had an exchange with her on what's now X and on Twitter. And she was so funny in it that I'm like, I got to buy her book because I've been looking at it, you know, each time going, oh, that looks cute. That looks cute. But I have so many books. But I was like, you know what? She's so funny. I need to just, you know, buy her book. And so I started reading it. And let me give you the summary really quick. And it's just, oh, my God, it's so funny. Um, One haunted orphanage, two types of ghosts, three freaked out friends equals plenty of trouble. Best friends Aldo, Penn, and Jasper are braced for a boring summer and equally dull summer journal writing assignments. That is until they see a slightly transparent boy with a bad haircut appear by the soccer field and then disappear into the woods. The boys follow him and discover the long-abandoned Grosch Orphanage for Orphans, a house in the woods that is most definitely haunted. Ghosts are not the problem. They have been trapped at the orphanage by a cranky poltergeist who erupts into violent tantrums if they even put a spectral toe across the property line. 
The ghosts ask the boys for help to free them, who is an angry poltergeist. What does he want? It just, the whole setting up, the setting up of the story is so funny. And for me, I love the format in the sense that it is, they are writing from the perspective of a summer journal. And so you really get that first person narrative going and it's hysterical, like middle grade humor at its best. So if you are somebody who's thinking, I want to dive into that really scary pool of writing middle grade humor, um, this is the perfect, perfect example. It reminds me of, have you ever watched the movie, The Sandlot? Yes. Okay. It's like a sandlot. It's like, you know how those characters, like kind of that old fashioned feel of like kids getting into shenanigans over the summer. That's what so it So is the like. whole thing written as a journal? Like yes. if somebody. Well, no, it's, it's not written as a journal, but you're like reading it almost like it's a journal. They're journaling it in the moment. Okay. So it's that's that, cool. It's a really fun. Oh my God. It's so funny. Like laugh out loud. Well, and that makes it really immediate, right? You're like in the person's head, which means that you can do a lot of really funny stuff you wouldn't be able to do if you were taking like a third person kind of approach to it, you know? Yeah. And just, it really, she's captured something like just an innocence. Like sometimes I feel like in middle grade and I do it too. Like in this book I'm writing right now, it's, it's completely the opposite feel. Like mine's very technology driven. Um, hers has that old fashioned feeling of just three kids, you know, going to the library, getting into shenanigans. Like that's, they're using old time, like resources that really don't involve technology and it's summer. And there's an older brother who's hysterical. There's that, you know, that older kid (laughs) that's just, you know, he's kind of befuddled and dumb. And it's like the three younger kids (laughs) they are messing with them. It it just, everything is perfection. That's awesome. I want to read it. I'm going to go get it because it sounds really fun. I, I love, I love books like that, that take a, like summer comes with its own, forgive me, I'm going to use the word vibe. Summer comes with its own vibe, right? And I think you can capitalize on that a lot, especially when you're writing for kids, because there's this sense of freedom, this sense of adventure, these things that are just built into you saying, okay, this is taking place in the summer. So that's really awesome. It's so funny. There's like just this one scene and it just, they follow this kid in through the woods and then they stop because they see like this, this house or this building, but then they look and see like, oh my gosh, I think that's poison oak. So they go back. They don't want to (laughs) get like, they don't want to get the poison oak. So they go back to the house and they put like socks everywhere, like on their hands (laughs) and their legs, like covering everything up. And then they get pieces of cardboard because they think it's really ingenious to like (laughs) lay on top of it and like slowly work their way over like tracks and like picking them up behind them and then moving them forward. And the ghost, I think, I can't remember exactly. It's just like watching them like, what are you doing? <laughs> and so they finally get in there and he's like, what are you doing anyway? And he, they're like, oh, it's poison oak. And they're like, yeah, no, it's not poison oak. It's just, you know, shrubs. And so it's like you have this image of this ghost watching him like. Being like, he, what's the matter with those kids? They're really and, dumb. And it's like, these are the people I've enlisted to help me. <laughs> It's just funny. And it's just every scene. There's like just so many like just silly shenanigans with the play between the ghosts. And it's it's brilliant. It's great mentor text for humor. There's definitely a connection between the book I chose and the book you chose. And that's that that humor that 
it's just fun. You're yeah. laughing. You're, you're not feeling like it makes you feel good. Yeah. And isn't that nice to have books that make you feel good? Well, and you know, quite honestly, it's like, I don't know that there's like some big story arc on the end where they learn something about their lives. And I don't care because they're having, they so learn much what fun. poison oak looks like and doesn't oh look God, like so <laughs> that's a life lesson. Uh, and it, every time while I was reading it, I, I think I, I said something to somebody where I was like, I used to think I was kind of funny. <laughs> But this is funny. So, and she has other books out and she's, I'm now a full on fan and look forward to reading her other books. And then I messaged my, my editor and I said, please reach out to her for a blurb because she is like the perfect person to blurb my book. That's good. Yeah, that sounds like right in your wheelhouse. My only concern is that if people, if she blurbs it, then people will be like, oh, maybe it's going to be as funny as Betsy. But no. Oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about that. That That's like, that's like so low down on your list of worries. You can add it, but it's got to be like number 25. Got to be way down there low. Anyway, she's All right. fabulous. That's good. We got two good ones for you. We hope you go out and get those. We love them. Again, bookshop.org. They will all be there. So when you turn this episode off and immediately forget what the titles are, they will be there waiting for you. And that is it for today's episode. It goes by so fast, doesn't it? We will be back next week with author Lindsay Curry. She is an absolute master of writing horror for kids. So please join us for that one. We talked about a lot of really interesting things. I know you will be excited to hear that. And until then, happy reading, writing, and listening. Bye, Lisa. Bye, Beth. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Writers with Wrinkles. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.